Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rents, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Happy New Year. It's 2019. Happy New Year. How do you feel? Same as it did yesterday. Okay. One of the things that I find about the, you know, the the time-honored tropes of journalism and all the things that we read are the review articles from 2018. Yeah. Are you uh, just globally, are you in or out on these? I am out. Let's let's just be honest. No, I'm out. Uh, I'm out of here. No, it's first of all, I thought that you were going to be out on it. Second of all, I think I thought you were out on it because I'm mostly out on them as well. You know what I'm really out on? And I'm really glad it isn't really a thing anymore. Just like the TV rundowns. Like back in, you know, turn of the millennium, there'd always be like, December would just be like best ofs. Right. Oh yeah, you're saying on TV it was best of. On TV, yeah. I mean yeah. that's that's been defeated by the streaming culture, right? You can you yeah, can find exactly. I mean the the year end reviews maybe are a little bit more irrelevant because you have all of the information at your fingertips all of the time. Anything you ever wanted to know is there. Yeah. Oh no, you can just go back and find all this all this stuff. What's interesting though is like you see this now, but like. I'd love to go back to like I don't know 2012 and see the same thing. Right. Like, why doesn't someone do that for me right now? I'd actually. Wouldn't that be awesome if like every year, like these websites did like here is the twenty, here's the last ten years of years in reviews. If you're inter- into it, <laughs> that actually would be really good. You asked me right after the Vikings game on Sunday if I needed to record a rant. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to talk about it. It's fine. I think it was smart that I. I think it was smart that I didn't because I feel much more calm right now. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed with that performance. It and two years in a row, your team has just like on the broadcast. The last season, the broadcasters are so good at at just salting that wound right up and they're talking about like they thought last year all they had to do was go out and get a quarterback and i don't know (laughs) like yeah everybody in minnesota is having that exact same thought right now was that the quarterback (laughs) that you needed like everybody in minnesota is watching this game and thinking kirk cousins not our guy not our guy how many years do you have him for uh three i think three or four more yeah Oof. see well, good for me you know if you wanted to duplicate the viking success here's what you do you wait until bill belichick coldly cuts tom brady and then we get him immediately <laughs> oh my God. okay all right you're yeah maybe you need eli <laughs> might need eli you would take eli uh okay here's the last stat that that is relevant here <laughs> 
Stefan Diggs, right, has a hundred receptions this year. Uh huh. And he has like a thousand and one yards or something. Is the Kirk Cousins experience encapsulated? It was because the the headline was Dinks to Diggs. <laughs> the idea <laughs> being that Stefan Diggs is is a dynamic playmaker. He should be he that should, should be, be getting long, long plays. Yeah. And if you if you don't, I mean, he is he's he should be the deep threat, right? Like Adam Thielen should yeah. not be a deep threat. Kyle Rudolph should not be a deep threat. Like it's nope. clearly Diggs is the option, and they're not utilizing him like that at all. Okay, let's let's talk. You about know, baseball. you know, I needed to throw one crazy thing in there. All right, yeah. this week on the pod, we're gonna talk. We're gonna expand on our discussion of last week a little bit. We we ran out of time on what we had actually meant to talk about, so we're gonna talk in the first half about choosing the right number of clusters to optimize the answer that we're trying to get out of of looking at these clusters over multiple years. Then in the second half, we're going to throw another wrinkle in and ask what happens if you consider OBP, that is adding walks to the equation, instead of just batting average. So here we go. So I know I said that we would talk about choosing the right number of clusters, but I want to take a detour before we actually get to that conversation. And I think that we're actually doing all of this work on clusters in order to set the stage for our 2019 projections that I that we've successfully hyped, I think, every week for the past four or something now. And I have a proposal for you, which is I Oh yeah, they're coming. I think that we should do the projections in a cluster-based framework. I like it. I think that makes some intuitive sense because we won't be um, putting in as much work. <laughs> I actually think we're going to put in less work and get out a better product. Right. Well, it's all about w- knowing what we're trying to get to. I think it's going to give us a yeah, a more fantasy relevant product. Mm-hmm. I think we can still make predictions, wild assertions. Well, we're I mean, we're going to do that. I think we can still make pure stat predictions. But I think we're going to have pretty wide error bars on them based on how our methodology seems to be shaping up. And so I think in order to leverage that, we should just lean in. <laughs> and <laughs> and we should think about clusters as interfacing with our theme of next year, which is going to be game theory. And I have two right. reasons. And I think that, one, the numerical rankings, e.g. 1 to 300, I think they obscure the tiers, as in the difference between players 1 and 10 is not the same as the difference between players 280 and 290. Well, they're so flawed because um, no one gets them right. Yeah. And so I think that having tiers, a.k.a. clusters, gives us a much wider berth to play with these things. Yeah. And second... I think that there's actually valuable information to add on team construction and fantasy team construction here. And I think that instead of thinking about, especially in the late rounds, instead of thinking about quote-unquote value picks, thinking about things as how they'll actually interface with the guys that you have on your team. Oh, right. No, exactly. We've talked about this before, how to try, we've kicked it around a little bit, how to construct a team based on the first five guys that you have and trying to play to their strengths. I think this is going to help it. No, I, I, I totally agree because we don't want to be... We want to have a 
projection product that's going to steer you towards the right person in that Robinson Cano category. That guy who's going to be there is going to be able to produce. But if you're not going for, I don't know, runs, healthy average, kind of five-tool production, then he's not going to help your team, right? You know? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And so knowing what cluster to pick from, what cluster of guys to look for is really valuable. Absolutely. So I think doing something cluster ranking-wise is going to be a clean way to provide some of this information. Unfortunately, (laughs) we're missing literally half of the players in baseball right now. (laughs) We have not touched pitching, although I think we have developed a lot of framework to understand how to do it. We can just shove this. We can do, use the same framework for pitchers. I think we can. Ish. Then I worry. <laughs> ish. Then I worry about Famous how to compare across the two, especially when you get to actual draft day that, action. That is really hard because what we're going to see is we're going to have like a huge bias against pitchers. All right. Getting back to what I actually did this week. That was an over. That was an overarching statement about why we do the cluster stuff. We also believe in the power of computers. So we talked this week about how to actually determine the number of clusters that we want to do. You said, yeah. you literally texted me, how do we do that? And yeah. in my infinite wisdom, I decided I'm just going to brute force it. I'm just going to just just run this a thousand I'm times. I'm going to hit this as hard as I can with the computer and see what happens. And so I did that. <laughs> and I sent you a chart of the yep. the average distance. So, of course, in K-means, you have a cluster center, and you have all of the points associated with that cluster. And since we've normalized all these stats, you can just compute a straight distance by asking how far in each statistic a player is from the cluster center. And I went all the way down to two clusters where you're basically dividing them into quote-unquote good and quote-unquote bad and then all the way and it's not even that it's not even a good division and then all the way up to 25 just to say you said 25 was like it yep so what does this all mean let's try and talk through i picked three examples here i said let's look at the the k equals five cluster centers the k equals 10 cluster centers and the k equals 20 and see if we can discern from this what with an eye to making rankings, what's actually going to be the most useful. And with five, you you just don't get much spread <laughs> at all. Yeah, you see it. I mean, it's great. It is a great starting point is you've got, um, you do have five unique, very unique categories. Yes, yeah. So in terms in terms of partitioning the data, this is wildly successful. You have players, and I think these guys are pretty indifferent to year, so we can just list them. You know, you've got Giannis yeah. Cespedes as the high cluster, which is like there are better guys than him, clearly. Yeah, twenty fifteen was that was great vintage. You've got Gregory Polanco, uh Yangivers Solarte, Carlos Santana, and Alex Gordon. Those guys are pretty different <laughs> from each yeah, other. Alex Gordon, twenty seventeen, which was atrocious. Oof. But even, yeah. but even apart from that, like apart from the individual year that we looked at for these guys, mm-hmm. they're pretty different players. They are different players, very different players. Because Al- Alex Gordon is 
has always been a guy who's like well-rounded ish, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, this, this would tell you, so the Gregory Polanco cluster here stands in for the guys that get all the stolen bases. And this, this would really em- overemphasize the stolen base guys, because when you switch to the 10 cluster, you still have a stolen base cluster and it's still basically the same stats. I mean, it's almost exactly the same stats. It's almost exactly it. the same. But, yeah. but now it's, it's one of 10 crazy. instead of one of five. One of 10 instead of one of five. And then it's also um, clearly, wow, th- that is that is pretty amazing. Yes, so going to the 10 clusters, you then all of a sudden have Jacoby Ellsbury representing the stolen base cluster. And you have three clusters in between that stolen base specialist, the Jacoby Ellsbury, and the best cluster, which is now for the 10 clusters, Jose Batista 2014. Right. And then when you go to 20, you finally see the elite, elite speed guys. You get a cluster that is just D. Gordon 2015. I stole 56 bases. And then you also get Jacoby Ellsbury 2016. I stole 21 bases. And Mm -hmm. Ender Inciarte 2017. I stole 19 bases and actually got on base. (laughs) You know, so now you're starting to see at 20, you can pick out those individual specialists. Right, exactly. So do you think, so I think in terms of what we've done to this point, mm-hmm. 10 clusters is, is the right number. I agree It's, it's pretty clear that that's the kind of analysis that we've been going for. But are you trying to say that we need to, if we're going to do projections, we need to get to this 20, 20 cluster group? I think so, because okay. we still need to predict, not need to, but we should predict that somebody falls in that D. Gordon 2015 stolen base range. We need to split and out. And we should that, predict that, that somebody falls in the Edward Encarnacion 2014 42 home run group. Right? right. You have to you need to put somebody in those clusters, whereas in the 10, you get 37 cluster 37 home runs from Jose Bautista. But somebody is actually a home run specialist who's not the best all-around guy in, in actual baseball. <sighs> Right. In in a ten cluster group you get the Jose Batista in, in a cluster whereas having that twenty clusters you do have the Mike Trout which the Mike Trout cluster right. which you know is gonna be the Mookie Bats twenty eighteen right. cluster, the just like all around kick ass everywhere. I do really appreciate looking at the bottom of the, the twenty through twenty five clusters because you see just histor what are actually you know, by definition, historically bad performances. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Derek Norris, 2016. Yeah. <laughs> it's 185. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but that still comes in with better better than Andrelton Simmons, 2014, and Adam LaRoche, 2015, which are, you know, also historically bad performances. Man, Adam LaRoche. Everybody out there who's listening has had their experience with Adam LaRoche. Exactly. It's just a visceral reaction. Eric thought he'd got me back on topic, but I did still have some more Vikings thoughts. So here's an outtake. Anyway. I got it. I, I agree. And the thing is that I've I've been saying this for multiple games, which is that I don't I just don't think Kirk Cousins can do it. Like, can Kirk Cousins throw downfield? I have not seen any evidence that he can do that. No, he's like a younger, less frail version of uh, your, what was the guy that you traded for from the Eagles? 
Sam Bradford. <laughs> I totally forgot that we got him from the Eagles. Yeah. All right, I'm sorry. Back on also, track. Also, somebody who's football dead. <laughs> I asked you last week when we were get, when we were thinking about this how the clusters would change if we actually folded in walks. And I think there is some fantasy relevance here, not even just for the OBP leagues or the leagues that count walks, which are increasing in number. But I think there's value here in differentiating between different clusters or understanding how the clusters change based on a holistic approach to plate discipline, essentially. Right. As the league changes in terms of you know, whether people strike out or not, it's, I, I think that it's huge to know who the people are that get on base and stay on base. Cause that's a, a better predictor of who's going to be scoring runs next year. Yes. Then just who's on base because you have the people that fall off a cliff, you know, the slap hitters who just stop slapping. Yeah. Oh, that's D Gordon. Thank you. Uh, so <laughs> let's start with the 10 cluster here. Uh, cause we talked about it at, at length last week. Jose Bautista, 2014, still the number one. Or still the, Ugh, just prime. Still the best what cluster. A prime year. That is just an incredible year. How do you not how do you not want that? Interesting though, this is sort of a sleeper guy that we didn't talk about as much this year. I mean, not really a sleeper because everybody owns him. him. Reese Hoskins. This might be his first appearance on the pod. Yeah, no. No, we've talked about him before in passing. Um yeah, no, wow. Solid year. But only four hundred OBP, so not elite. That's a little bit more than a solid year. But yeah, he he doesn't make the elite. And there is a whole other cluster that has elite comparing to Joey Bats twenty fourteen. Yeah. There is there is another cluster with four hundred OPS. Mm -hmm. And that's the Benzobrist. Yeah, the Benzobrist, which kinda weird. Benzobrist twenty fourteen actually maybe his last relevant really relevant year and which means that i still owned him in 2016 and thought it was a good idea uh was it i think it was 2017 he had a surprisingly solid first half and then fell apart yeah, <laughs> yeah ben zobrist um but that but that year is 87 10 54 10 403 now i should we've been saying we've been quoting these numbers all all this um podcast and i should remind everyone that we are um normalizing these to 600 yeah, at bats they didn't actually get those for everybody <laughs> uh nobody got the stats so saying. the another thing that i find interesting is that you the cluster uh slopes change or the difference between the clusters changes in the sense that the second cluster with reese hoskins their both runs and rbis are above 95 in that cluster center and that's mm-hmm. not true in the batting average centered cluster they're both below 90 even in the sec even in the number nine cluster and so this is causing some sort of differentiation or bifurcation to happen where you're actually seeing separation of in of new strata in tiers Hmm. yeah no i guess you are because those batting average in those batting average points, 285, 271, are probably, well, I mean, they are farther. I guess my right? point is that if you if you take away the cluster number and you look at Brandon Belt's 2015, which is the, the 
the eight cluster, that is that looks more similar when you chop off the on base percentage or batting average. That looks more similar to the second cluster or the number nine cluster in the batting average only. No, yes, I I see what you're saying. Um, what I was thinking, and I was thinking of this in a different direction, of that there is such there numerically there's so much more room once you get up to an OBP of like 0.5 somewhere around 0.5 down to I mean you know essentially zero you just have a lot a lot more room to fit in other layers and have more uh, I guess discourse between the other clusters that is you're right that is very interesting that that cluster eight in OBP is a lot more similar to cluster nine in the batting average, Brandon Belt. So I think that means that you you're seeing sort of what you were talking about in the lead-in, which is the that as strikeouts proliferate, the walks become more valuable, and so the guys who can get walks differentiate themselves even more. Yeah. They separate themselves. Yeah. At the very least, this tells you that in an OBP league, the values can be totally different at the top end. Very different. <laughs> or in a league that considers, even just considers walks. So even if you were like a roto league or a points league with walks. I mean, do we want to wildly assert that they're therefore a, a league that penalizes strikeouts? <laughs> I, we we could do that. So we could we could look at that. I mean, we we want to make the ultimate three true outcomes league. <laughs> we'll wildly assert it. I think we can. Uh, I think things also get really interesting when you kick up to twenty here. Mm-hmm. Again, you're again. I think you're seeing a a set of clusters that gives you more predictive power. Going forward, you would see more predictive power from this. Interestingly, the peak cluster here, Alex Bregman, 2018. Yeah, he had a good year. Good year. I had a good year. I'm I'm pretty Fucker. mad about that because I was I was pretty rough on him a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, he's still he's still there. Yep. And uh, talking in terms of specialist clusters. <laughs> I enjoy the Mark Reynolds 2017 making it in as the second most valuable. Just so good. That was such a great, such a great year. Once normalized out. Yeah. That. That's crazy. That's a crazy one. But there again, this is what we have to do. We have to figure out how to take advantage of platoons. I know. I know. Mark Reynolds is valuable. Just knowing when he's going to play. <laughs> The same thing, I mean, the same thing presumably is going to be true for the speed guys this year. Especially the the Royals team. That, that Royals, Royals team, team is going to be, what is Ned Yost going to do with all that speed? He doesn't know what to do. Presumably he's got somebody telling him that everybody's just going to run all the time. And it'll be so rare yeah. that they get on base that they'll have to. <laughs> the team used to be such a great hitting team just two years ago ago. yeah but they won the world they did in the last five years that is true but the team this year is so different from the team two years ago Uh, this is nothing the same about those teams anyway uh looking at global stats actually the slope of the distance as a function of clusters is completely different if you run this for obp than for batting average 
Yeah, so it is much steeper. So how many clusters are we supposed? We don't need nearly as no. many clusters. Seven clusters is all that you would need to be able to differentiate between these guys. So that's why we're getting like spurious clusters in the ten cluster Bingo. group. So I think we actually did a really interesting, accidentally, but perhaps numerical investigation this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, brute force wins again. What can I say? I'm not gonna. I'm obviously not gonna quit brute forcing things now. All right, you about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am ready. One of the things that I noticed running through the themes of that 2018 year in review. Uh, we should check in with AI on this, and I want to be careful because we're not a political podcast, but... Yeah, we don't want to cross over <laughs> in our AI conversation. Oh my goodness, well said. But there was an article <laughs> talking about, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about AI this year, and as with everything, every single thing technological, the government is very slow at figuring out what any of it means <laughs> i'm yeah i know that a lot of people take from that facebook interrogation at congress like <laughs> that uh zuckerberg is just like a total like weirdo and jerk and everything but i still i think of um orrin hatch asking him like dumb and other senators quite frankly, asking really, like, dumb questions and him just being, like, you can see on his face just being, like, okay, <laughs> this is who I'm dealing with. I am setting up my grandparents' yeah. IT closet. That's exactly right. right. And so, but this to me, there's, like, this, there's this nebulous idea about AI kicking around out there. And the tech world certainly hasn't solved this either, figured out what side of this they come come down on. But as with everything that's just wildly overpowered, as we know from using it to predict the number of wins that pitchers would get, and mm -hmm. and I will say using it successfully, uh, there were just a couple <laughs> quotes that I appreciated from this New York Times article. Uh, AI is something policymakers call a dual-use technology. Did you see that? It's got innocuous commercial applications, like helping you steer your car or ask your phone a question, and I'll add fantasy baseball. And then they talk about how it's also got important <laughs> military applications. So I'm expecting the call any day here for us. Look yeah. how dangerous we are. Wait, wait which side are we? Which of uh, the dual-use side are we on? I'm not sure. <laughs> honestly <laughs> we we know enough to dangerously advise people how to lose a lot of money in their fantasy leagues right now but that's about that's about as yeah, dangerous we as are, we get we are pretty dangerous <laughs> i mean the thing is like even just like gmail just suggesting responses on your emails nowadays that's that's ai yep. right you know it's a really basic version but it is AI, and that's the problem that we have. It's just like, how do you separate that from Skynet in um, in the yeah, discourse? But I, right, because I was going to say, I feel like to you and I, it's clear. Like, yeah, that's that's the difference between you know using Excel to rank clusters and using some advanced K-means even version of cluster mm -hmm. sorting. Yeah. I think that about brings us to the review session. Apollo 13. Could they have used more or less AI? I mean, it's 
pretty clear they were using like a calculator to get, <laughs> to get into space. So uh, I think they could use a little more AI. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, great movie. This is probably the best movie that we've watched in terms of mm. just like not just like it's a fun movie it's or it's like star wars which isn't a class of its own or you know like awesome tech and stuff like that but this is a really really good movie oscar nominee i believe so i i mean if it wasn't total travesty oh, yeah. amazing performances all around by everybody first of all uh and that everybody is a lot of people. It is. And I think they did a good job of not yada yadaing too much. Um, I, I don't know what what they would have yada yadaed, you know? Well they could have I mean, in theory they could have wholesale cut the CO two stuff, right? You could just pretend that part never happened. Right. But to me True. that yeah. the scene where they dump the box of stuff on the table and say now you have to solve this problem using just this stuff is so iconic to me i know i it it very much and it doesn't it leaves an impression in terms of like oh geez man if i was ever there and like i had to save people in outer space and i was just given a box of crap (laughs) sometimes i feel that way when i open up new software though all all the time (laughs) no all the time feel the same way yeah no i exactly Oh, man. Uh, so I think I've referenced this movie a lot or tried to a lot. But one of my favorites is the uh, is the Lem. Yes. And the guy like for the Lem who's like, I just I got to say, we can't promise it's going to be able to do any of this stuff. And then once it like once it's successful, it's like, told you you could do it. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. I also feel that way. That happens all the time. It's like, yeah, well, no, I, I can't tell you whether I'm going to be able to get this e-folding algorithm working. But All right. Rank these performances in order. Mission director, man in black, Christoph. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, I, I got to take the mission director. A good role. Mission director, then man in black, then Christoph. I I agree with that. Um, I had totally forgotten <laughs> that, that, that that was Ed Harris. How had you? Forgotten? I don't know. Ed Harris is just so iconic. I don't know. I I had just completely forgotten that it was him. That that is him. <laughs> okay, what are we gonna do this week? I have a little off the wall one for you. Oh boy! Because I just saw that it became available on a streaming service. I like it. Shrek. Ah. <laughs> We're going to do Shrek before Toy Story? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Sea. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, where's the luck to you, buddy? Where's the luck to you, too? Yeah!